Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, where we have folks of all different walks of life share any trials and tribulations. Through the sacred art of conversation and storytelling, we seek to open minds, shed light, and make our modern world feel a little less lonely, realizing that we are all connected, one human experience at a time. I'm your host, Aisha Billy. I'd like to welcome you to the show and thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome everybody. Um, I am here with one of my dear friends, Mike Depietto. Do you feel better now? That's good coffee. He felt... First of all, he was super um, fascinated by the ASMR, the microphones. He felt the need to introduce himself. With. I hate ASMR. <laughs> yeah, you I do. I love slurping. Though. Wait, yeah, you do. I know you do. <laughs> I know for a fact that you do. Yeah. Because I would send you a ton of... Um... That's all you send me. You send me 90% ASMR from Asian people and then 10% funny memes. And I have to sift through them. I'm really sorry. I'm not sorry. Sorry, I keep it up. I love you. I love you too. Right. So um, we're here to talk about a topic that is super, super prevalent to where you and I are at in life. I feel like this is something that definitely haunts people throughout their lifetimes. I do feel like um, I'm not older than 25, than in my 20s, but I do feel like it is particularly paralyzing um, for the newer generation in their 20s right now. And um, that is indecision. So, Mike, are you yeah. already are you already triggered? Nah. Uh, the word made <laughs> most of my neck close. Did it really? <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I'm just playing, just like. Um, okay, sweet. So let's just cut into it, dude. Um, what do you? How do you think of indecision? How do you define this in your life? It's when there isn't one option. If there's more than one, then there's just this process, this flowchart that I create in my head. If there's if there's one thing that I can do, um, I'm ready to do it. Yeah, but if there's any more than one, then I have to, I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. Now I have to go through all of these, all of these outcomes and, and I have to plan and I have to pros and con each one until I get a migraine. And then, <laughs> and then maybe I'll just out of crisis pick one because I can't deal with the migraine anymore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. I was reading a study in like fucking like high school. Like I was fucking so young and it was a study about um, kind of in a store that's similar to Costco where, you know, in Costco, they have all these like samples that you get to try. Yeah. And it's like so much fun. I think it was in a, in Costco where they had a, like a wine connoisseur. I don't know what it's called. Come in. And 
basically the goal, the social experiment was to overwhelm the customers with so many wine choices. Oh, yeah. And they would find that more people would actually be get so overwhelmed by the choices, they wouldn't even get a bottle of wine at the end. Oh, they would walk away. And I remember when I was reading the study, I was like, God, what the fuck? Like, just fucking pick one. Yeah. Like, like now you just left with none. Yeah. And it was so easy for me to like clearly see that when I was younger. And then I feel that the older, for me, the older I got, I experienced certain consequences of my decisions that fucked me up. Yeah. And it scarred me. And, uh. it, and now it's like I see why those adults were like, oh my God, I can't pick, I can't pick. I'm just going to leave yeah. with none. Uh-huh. You know? Are you comfortable sharing an experience? Yeah, totally. Like, I feel like for me, um, two choices. Moving into the city was, like, all I ever wanted. I'm. We live on the outskirts of New York City. And for me, you know, I was pursuing dance, which is thriving in a place like New York. And I was like, I can't wait to fucking, like, move into the city. And I did that after college. I moved in when I was 22. And the other one is that I pursued fitness professionally. And both of those choices, like, fucked I'm sitting on the charger, and the charger's hot. I just burnt my cheek. Move it. <laughs> I'm good. Are you sure? I got one toasty bun, but I'm good. Okay. Yeah. You can move it. like. I just pushed it deeper into the couch. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> All of a sudden, the cat's going to be lit up on fire. <laughs> You smell that? It kinda, All right. It smells like toasty buns. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. No, dude. Yeah. So um, I just want to make sure your ass is okay. My ass is pleasant. All right. Sweet. Yeah. I'm here for pleasant. Um. So anyway, moving into the city, just looking back at it, I was not fucking ready. I was so eager to get out. And I'm noticing that in this life, my eagerness has several times set me up in a position where I get something and where I'm not ready for it yet. Mm. So I feel like that's kind of what happened with the city. Long story short, I had two, like, such terrible living situations. The first chick, she kicked me out um, 17 days after I moved in. She was fucking crazy. And it's funny because when I saw her on, like, the roommate website, I had this feeling that she... I, I just had a bad feeling in my gut but I didn't really know what gut was at the time. And I was like, give it a chance. Keep your mind open. Go see what it's like. The apartment was gorgeous. I moved in. She put a camera in the living room to watch me. It was horrible. In a haste, I rushed to another housing situation. Yeah. Fifth floor walk up, which is whatever. Um, the place was absolutely falling apart, honestly. My dad has like super low living standards. My dad visited me. And he was like, dude, you got to get the fuck up out of here. I feel like the, oh. the whole building's going to collapse. So I've noticed, you know, I moved back home and I've been home for over like a year and a half now. And my goal was to move home for like a year and then like kind of set out. Obviously, the pandemic happened. I couldn't move out. But I'm in a position now where like I kind of could if I wanted to. But I can't even make my fucking mind up because I'm so afraid that shit's gonna hit the fan again when mm. I moved out. You know, shit hit the fan so bad when I moved out with what that girl did, like, putting the camera in the living room and stuff. It fucked my head up so much because I would never do that to someone. So I physically couldn't process 
why it was happening. And I remember some of my coworkers were like, why would you have the tools to process this? Like, this is so, such a far-fetched thing. Not saying that if you move out, it'll go that bad, but it, it was for me. And I've noticed that it's affected me in a way now where I'm so hesitant to jump now. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, when you move in with someone you don't know, I feel like more often than not, there's going to be a strange transition period. It's a risk. Yeah, you're going to be figuring each other out. And during that time, you know, walls are going to be up because you're complete strangers. Right? But I've heard everyone I know who's moved out has some fucked up story about a roommate. Yeah. You know. Totally. But, you know, you weigh it out. It's just, it's just affected me in a way where it's a it's affected my decision-making process today. Yeah. You know? And then I feel like another thing with indecisiveness is like, you don't have bad intentions. It's, you actually have good intentions. You want to make the decision that is going to benefit you the most, benefit others the most, not hurt others, not hurt yourself. And, you know, so for those of you who are listening who struggle with indecisiveness, I don't feel like it comes from a bad place. No. Would you, you agree with that? Yeah, I think you're trying to find a utopia that doesn't exist, though. Yeah, and it becomes like this endless pit. Yeah, you know, like, if I were to describe how it, how it goes in my head... Go for it, dude. Is, All of it. Is if I have uh, five choices in front of me, right? Mm-hmm. I will think about how each one benefits me i'll think about the priority of each one benefiting me like what angles of benefits there are and which one i need more which one i need less uh which one has more influence right like which one uh just logically makes more sense which one feels better with my gut which one you know like (laughs) which one my intuition tells me and then i'll be like okay which one should i listen to my heart my balls my head like i don't know my ego like it's so much weighs in yeah yeah and then you know like and then i'll be overwhelmed by that and i'll make a a a pros and cons chart and then i'll ask i i notice i ask people a lot and i try not to do that much anymore is I ask other people their opinions and, or how they would go about it. And it's always the same. You know, it's like I always get solid advice. And in the end of the day, it's it's like... You You're know, still stuck? Yeah, it's, it's choose Dude, what's I good for you. And I'm like, way. I don't fucking know what that is. Yeah. Because you can't. You can't know until you do it. And then you adjust. But I... I always thought it, it came from a place of, maybe it's just me, I don't know about you or anyone totally out there, but I always thought it came from a place of my time is so valuable to me that if I choose the wrong one and I have to start over, it feels like that time has been wasted. Mm. Not realizing that the longer I choose to decide is also time wasted. <laughs> So no matter what, I'm spending the same amount of time and wasting the same exact amount of time than if I were to just do one. You know what that's called? Uh, Bullshit. Decision paralysis. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You're like totally paralyzed. Yeah. And then like, 
you know, you ask your pals and your pals might be like, the best one for you or like, here's what I would do, but I'm not you. So you have to do the best one for you because I feel like yeah. the fear that I have sometimes with guiding someone is weighing too heavily on what they're going to do and then they end up doing what I say and like hating it and then like hating me, which is completely irrational, makes like... yeah kind of no fucking sense but that's a fear that I have and um but what really resonated with what you said just now was the time wasting yeah like you're like hamster running on this hamster wheel you're not making a choice mm -hmm. time is passing and which I kind of want to talk about that I want to talk about the time wasting thing as well okay um and you're more importantly you're fucking stressed mm -hmm. like you're stressed right like I'm stressed when I when I'm in that stage. Like it's not like I'm like peacefully I will reach something and maybe one day we will love. like I'm like what am I gonna do? Is it gonna be okay? Like I'm just like freak dying on the inside. <laughs> yeah, your brain's in like a gravitron, and you're just rotating. <laughs> you're, it's probably like your amygdala is probably um, like your threat response area, and your brain is probably lit up, and you're like, like what do I do? Yeah. What do I do if I do this? Da -da -da -da. Um, with the time wasting, I have like mixed feelings about that because you know what it is? I think it's a fine line. Like part of me is like, what if that is internalized capitalism where I'm like time, time, time. Like I got to be using my time to be productive. And then I feel like the other side of me is like, time is an illusion. Like I can't even, you know what I mean with that? Yeah. Um, it's really strange. Yeah. Like, I what don't your think brain does. Yeah, I don't think time is something that we can fully comprehend. But I, we, I think we're conditioned to to think that your time is the most valuable thing, you know, and it, it is. It can't be renewed. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, like, sell it back. <laughs> you can't. You literally can't. But, like, the importance of what you do with it, I think, is where you fall short sometimes. Right? Like, there's too much importance placed on what you're doing with your time. If you're doing something, you're, you're, you're doing it. Yeah. You're using the time. If you're not using it, then... It feels like a waste. Then it's the waste. Yeah. yeah. I just, like, I wonder, I feel like we could have a whole podcast on just, like, the concept of wasted time. Like, I, when I was in Thailand, um, I found, like, this meditation center, and there was this woman who was basically giving me, like, an intro, and I said to her, I don't know what it was, but I think I had like a dance class later that day. And I was like, oh, I, like, I don't want to waste your time. Like, let me run out of here. And she was like, you can't do that. You can't waste my time. Like, that's not <laughs> real. And it's just like, like, I think it's a matter of like going into like philosophies for a second. You have to choose what philosophies work for you. Yeah. And it's like what you just said, like we've all been conditioned to kind of like succumb to this thing called time. But I remember when she said that, I was like, yo, is time like not real? <laughs> Are you a spirit? But the matter of fact is we use it in, in this life. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so decision paralysis 
fucking blows. For sure. Why do you think you fall into that? Uh, it could be a lot, you know. It could be a lot of childhood shit. Maybe I was ridiculed for making the wrong decision, and now if I think I do it, I'll get spanked by the universe. Like subconsciously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or you know, um, uh, maybe. Because if I make a decision and I don't know every angle of it, then like there could be things that I hate about it that I'm unaware of. Like the uncertainty is scary of what don't of know. things you might not know. Yeah, like say, because it's entirely possible and it has happened multiple times where I make a decision. I've planned it out to the fullest extent that my brain can plan it out. Right. And then I get there, and it's nothing like I thought it was going to be, and exactly. I fucking hate it. Dude, fucking facts. <laughs> or, but it's like, why can't it be the other thing? Like, why can't it be like, it was nothing like you thought, and I you, love like, it. love it? Yeah. Like, what, you know, I feel like, do you know what catastrophic thinking is? I can deduce, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like, I was in therapy, um, I mean, I've been in therapy for a while, but... My dad was, like, really, really ill two winters ago, which I know you remember. And I remember I was in therapy, and I just was like, I feel like he's going to die. Like, I couldn't move from that. I was like, he's going to die. Like, death, death, death. My mind was just on loop. And my therapist was like, do you know what catastrophic thinking is? And Mm. it's basically when you jump to the absolute worst catastrophe that can happen. In that situation with my dad was death. In a situation like investing in a house, it might be like going fucking poor out of like exactly stuff like that. And I realized when you bring break it down to like numbers, catastrophic the catastrophic event, the worst possible outcome, is statistically one out of like as many other outcomes that are possible. It's literally one way that it could go. That, yeah. that catastrophic thinking. So that was kind of helpful for me to unveil that, like, I am a catastrophic thinker. I have a tendency to think that the worst thing is going to happen. And it kind of like what you said, I feel like if I make the wrong choice, like, the, will the universe spank me yeah. and be like, boom, catastrophe, yeah. boom, upheaval in your life. <laughs> like, every shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. I think there's a benefit to that. And... I read the four-hour work week uh, way long ago, way before I should have, because I wasn't really even working. <laughs> but I didn't want to, so I thought that would be, <laughs> I thought that would be the it. way to do it. Yeah. Nice. So I, I believe that was the book that I read this, but I know it was definitely Tim Ferriss who mentioned that if you, like, it's beneficial to think of the worst-case scenario only if you plan for it afterwards. Right? Like, what would you... Say that again. It's beneficial to think of the worst case scenario only if you think about it afterwards? Only if you make an action step for it. Oh. Pretty much. Right? So say, like, you are a catastrophic thinker and you're like, all right, if I invest all my money in this business and it goes bankrupt, like, that's going to be the worst thing on the planet. You know? Like, you could stay there or you can do what he suggests and actually plan out 
action steps of what you would do if that were to happen. Wow. And then it feels less severe because you know what to do a little bit had, had, has that come to be. Like you created a net for yourself. Yeah. And even if you don't need it, like that mental net might be enough yeah. for you to still do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I think that. it still hit it hits that that part in your like child brain where it's like like daddy has your back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like your your mom will get you your mom will pick you up. Like no matter what happens, like if you if you get sick, like you'll be taken care of. You know, it's it's the fallback. And you don't have to worry. I love that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was it was like one of the only things I remembered from that book. Yeah, well, it must have resonated with you for a reason too, though. Yeah, because I, I used to catastrophic think all the time, exclusively. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, what have have you done anything to kind of lessen that or come to terms with it? Basically, like that's understanding it from a numeric standpoint really fucking helped me. Like when I like literally drove home the fact that like. That is actually one scenario. And my dad didn't die, by the way. Like, yeah. he ended up living, you know? Which, like, in my defense, the doctors did tell us, like, it could go either way. Like, he he was really in bad condition. But yeah. um, he did end up living. Or, like, other things. Like, I feel like this is where exposure therapy kind of comes into play. Where you might catastrophize something and it actually ends up being fine. And sure. you're, you could, like, teach your brain kind of, like oh, like it's, so, like, it's possible for it to not be, like, the worst thing ever. Like, for yeah. example, like, I couldn't decide, like, one time ago in my dating life, like, I couldn't decide whether to, like, end things or, like, keep it going with, like, someone I was seeing. So I, I like, couldn't make a choice. And then I finally reached the decision of, like, I'm going to end it. But I was so nervous that they were gonna like freak out and go crazy and, and when i told them they were like i want you to do what's best for you yeah and i was like oh. your whole world was like <gasps> like my brain you're not a monster like le- like learned like oh like the worst thing doesn't have to fucking happen which yeah. i thought was interesting um so another thing i want to talk about is obsessive planning okay so i'll talk about I want to take what you said earlier. You were like, my mind needs to explore all the different possible outcomes. I feel like having an elaborate mind like that, an imaginative mind like that, it's a sword, but it's a double-edged sword. So it's like so dope that you're able to think in such different angles, man. Like that is fucking cool. And then the other side of that sword, the cost of that, is when you want to make a choice and all the possible outcomes are flooding in, where in all reality, we don't have control over that. But what we do is we obsessively plan. Yeah. We're like, this, that, this, that, this, that. Which I know you were just mentioning planning with, like, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. I don't think that that is necessarily obsessive planning. I think that is more precautionary. Exactly. It's precautionary, and it's also a productive way where it's like, why don't I spend 10 minutes creating a little net for myself for the worst case scenario just so I could close that loop in my mind? Yeah, exactly. So I can move the fuck on. When I talk about obsessive planning, like, this is what I mean. Like, you want to do something. You think about all the bad things. 
and then you think about how all the bad things will affect everyone and you and then you start planning about like how to stop those things from happening or yeah. you like I'm having a hard time describing it like what do you, how do you interpret obsessive planning Have you ever gone on a vacation with somebody who wanted every detail of the vacation planned out before you got there? Rare, but yes, I have. You know how annoying it is? The It's literally <laughs> so far from my travel style. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's that. It's, it's okay. Uh, we're going to land here uh, and we have to get to our hotel. So how are we going to get there? We can't walk. Cause it's way too far so we have to rent a car but like what car service there's like five so we have to like find out what has the best rates and what could fit all of us plus our luggage so we need a big trunk and then when we get there um uh we'll all split the gas i guess like five ways so we'll do that calculation later and then like we, and like you're doing all this shit and you haven't even fucking gotten to the hotel yet yeah definitely. and you have seven days left <laughs> definitely and you're stressing. You're fucking yeah. stressing. You know how I actually was describing this to one of my pals yesterday over text? I was like, so I'm like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But what about ABC? Yeah. But but what about DEFG? E, and then, okay, but we can't do that. But wait, H-I-J-K-L-M-O-P. And all of a sudden, I'm like seeing the entire fucking alphabet. <laughs> And it's like detail after detail after detail. And one thing that I obsessively plan about big time, and tell me if you relate to this, is money. Yeah. Okay. I obsessively plan over money like fucking crazy. Yeah. Like if I see this, then I could have this, and then if I do this, and it's like, I am not by any means like cheap. Like when I go out, like I'm out. Like I'll throw down, I'll throw down for my friends and stuff like that. But I mm. tend to get like overly um like that scarcity mindset where i'm like there's there's not enough there's not enough so like i can't do this i have to do this i have to do this like this i want chicken but i can't get like the organic grass-fed chicken so i'm gonna like <laughs> get like this other one like just to save like an extra couple but like things like that yeah, like yeah. does that um does that energy resonate with you at all not with money no i, I was actually pretty loose with money up until recently because I created a, a, a chart, my Mike and I. We, we made a chart, and we like it, it organizes itself. So we get to see, and we, and we create a budget for ourselves, and it tells us automatically what we have and what we have left. Nice. So it's like a big weight just lifted. And, but that sucks. That might help you, actually. Yeah, totally. Well, it's like, a <laughs> it's like a clean cut way, and also it's like, when I talk like that, it makes me reflect, like, why do I want to control so much? Sure. Like, what is my relationship with control? And it's funny, because it's like, I don't want to control other people. Like, right. I don't want to, like, you're my pal. Like, I don't want to control you. I don't want to control my sister. I don't want to control, you know, my partner, like, anything like that. But I realize, like, I feel... Like, I need to reflect on my relationship with control over myself and over, like, my belongings and stuff like that. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe that has to do with, like, loss. Did you experience loss? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I've, 
You know, I've been through a house fire that I've been reflecting on lately. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, my freshman year of high school. But I, needless to say, I, I do feel like it might not even be able to be drawn to one thing. Like, I think that growing up with a single mom and, like, lower middle class or, like, we were basically on the poverty line, hmm. but even, like, the working class, even with ha- what inflation has become now, the working class with people mom and dads who are still together are struggling so much still that I feel like having a childhood where like money was a constant worry that that affected me that way with my relationship with money and control. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I, I think as a kid, if you see your parents struggling and then they attribute it to lack of money and like you create the belief that if you have more money you'll be happier. Young. You know? And Facts. Jordan Peterson says that you create most of your personality and your you know, you settle all your traumatic experiences into your personality by the time you're like seven. You know? So you probably form that belief early and now you're looking at it like I don't like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to change this. Like, it's totally something to... Yeah, totally. It's definitely... Which is possible. Yeah. Like, the brain can change. Um, it's definitely something to reflect on. Do you feel like you had any experiences that affected you in a way where... Do you ever recall to a point in your life, which I'm sure you can in, like, high school or middle school, where, like, the decision-making process was, like, not as much of a shit show for you? Uh, I didn't have to decide important things. You know? like Define important. Ah. What do you mean by that? Like... Something that is going to have a greater influence than usual on my future and other people's future. Right? You have no responsibility when you're in high school or below. And you don't know anything also. So so you're... Like the biggest decision I had to make was what shirt I was going to buy from the clearance section of Zoomies. Totally. You know? And even that I had trouble with. Yeah. I went through the entire fucking rack. And I had to try on every single one and make sure that it was the exact right fit. Yeah. <laughs> Before I could leave the store. But... When it got to, you know, like that stress ends when you leave the store. But when it got to choosing uh, whether or not to go to college, what college to go to, why, um, what job to work at in the meantime, what, you know, um, what skill to work on outside of school to better myself, like... There's always a better one. Yep. And you don't know it. Yeah. So, like, trying to get as close to the best that you can is is what paralyzes me, you know? But, yeah, I mean, I think I struggled with it most from 10th grade until I was probably 22. And I started working on it. 
Yeah. I feel like what you said just now is such a major gem. Like, it's what's also paralyzing is how, like, you want to be the best. You want to do the best. And that doesn't come from a bad place. You value progress. You value integrity. You you value uh, greatness. And you want to make sure that your decisions align with that. But, again, I feel like it's a double-edged sword where it's like we have to accept the fact that there's always going to be greater. There's always going to be better. This world is fucking massive. You yeah. know, we're always going to be to an extent in our own bubble, like, even if you're traveling all the time, like you're still, you are still the center of your universe. Everything is through your lens. It's filtered through your lens that you have developed as a kid, like you said earlier. Yeah. Um, and I think that some of the antidote, which, you know, I want to get into like how to make a decision and around that. But I think some of the antidote is like saying to yourself, it's okay if you fuck up on this choice. Like, it's okay. Yeah. You'll learn. Or even that, you can't fuck up. Mm. You know, like, you make a choice and it's not how you wanted it to go, but it's not a fuck up because you learned a little. Totally. Right? Absolutely. But I do think that's important. I think it's ultra important. Like, I could say confidently, we're both pretty fucking hard on ourselves. Yep. You know, <laughs> like if we weren't hard on ourselves, we probably would have a lot easier time like yeah. if we weren't so critical. So that's another thing I think to reflect on. But anyway, so my friend, Mike. Hi. Hi. What is, how do you get through it? How do you get through your decision paralysis and your indecisiveness? Drugs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit. Well, I was recently I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) I got some if you need. I don't know. (laughs) But I was... uh, Well, I saw a psychiatrist recently because I was talking about all of this with my therapist. And he recommended SSRIs. What is that? Uh, I forget the exact acronym, but it's serotonin something reuptake inhibitor okay yeah so it controls um the serotonin levels in your brain and i i spoke with a psychiatrist and he recommended that so i'm on that and then he also recommended one for ocd Mm. because my ocd outlet is indecision you know what is so crazy that you just said that dude I, I, I don't want to cut you off. I just want to insert this here. I never reflected on OCD until recently. Oh, yeah? Yes. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. I think it's related to the indecision, yeah. the indecisiveness. And when you were talking earlier, I had, like, a mental flag in my head of, like, oh, the OCD, OCD. Like, just something you were saying was like triggering something in me and I felt that like obsessiveness and I was like, wow, like my brain was making a connection of that to OCD. So please say more about that. Thank you for saying that. I I didn't want to say it in the moment because I didn't know if it was appropriate. So I'm so fucking glad you you brought that up. Go for it. Yeah. So your outlet to OCD is indecisiveness. Uh, The result of my OCD, I should say is okay. indecisiveness because because my OCD is like planning and making sure everything's in order and organization and all that crap and 
I can't organize everything. <laughs> so I don't decide about it. And he he has me on something called uh, clonazepam. I think that's what it's called. And it's a very low dose. But he said within a few weeks you should be able to, like, when you when you start that fucking Loop. Ferris wheel in your head, you kind of just, it becomes a little clearer. And, God, I'm so ready for that, though. <laughs> Are you taking it yet? Yeah, I've been taking it for... Um, week and a half. Okay, so is that's not an antidepressant though. Is that more like something like I don't really know a lot about. Pharmaceuticals. It's actually it's, it's an anti-compulsive. Oh my god, I didn't know that was a thing. Thank you for introducing that to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it 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 helps with um, panic attacks too, and fuck yeah. Yeah, and then the the SSRI is anti-anxiety, antidepressant as well okay so yeah so i can't really give you much input about what they're doing right now because i don't sure. feel much different mm-hmm. um but i'll update you okay sweet <laughs> yeah i would love yeah. to hear about that i i'm personally not on medication so i'm super curious what that's like yeah well Do i tried you... to microdose mushrooms are you asking me why? No, I, I tried to do that because Oregon is is experimenting with that and anxiety and they're having like this crazy success. So I try to like look up dosages and stuff like that. And um, I tried it for a little bit and I noticed that in the moment I felt like joyous for like three hours. And then after that three hours was over, I had like a regular day and then at night I couldn't sleep for shit. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I was just replaying all this shit in my head. I thought I, like, got people pregnant. I thought I had, like, you know, I thought my life was going in the completely wrong direction. I would stay up and just, like, look at the red light off the charger that was plugged into the wall in my room for, like, six hours. And then all of a sudden the sun was coming up and I was like, oh, uh, today's not going to be good. (laughs) 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 <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm off of that and then that's why i started this stuff but it's weird it's weird i was really hoping that would work because i was trying to avoid medication i mean i don't think it's a bad um choice uh what's it called resort Sure. See how it is for you, and then yeah. if you, give it some time. You know, for example, with birth control, which I fucking hate, but with birth control, uh, the gynecologist says you don't want to really judge the pill until like a one to three months. Sure. So this might be something similar where it's like give yourself a couple months, and obviously you'll be talking to your doctor, and if it's not the thing for you, it might not be the thing for you. Maybe the thing for you is more like mindfulness and meditation. Maybe it's mindfulness and meditation with the medication. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be black and white. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any steps in particular that you take to help make a choice? You know what? I did something really cool the other day. Did you ever take stress management? I did take stress management and I fucking loved it. Hell yeah. That's a great class, right? I would right? love to teach that shit. But yeah, I loved it. Fuck yeah. There was that wheel. Do you remember? The wheel of life kind of thing? Like the pie of your life. 
Yeah, it was like occupational, yes. emotional, like spiritual, relationships. Wellness, yeah. yeah, dude, I I had to make a, a a choice. Had to make it. I don't know what that means, but I was deciding between nursing and programming for a career choice, and I used that fucking wheel. And I wish I knew like who the professor was, so I could be like, hey. Haven't you shit in your class for like five years? Until today, though. <laughs> and this and this helped me a lot. <laughs> so I found the wheel. And me and Mike, again, we, we were in his basement. He has this huge whiteboard on his wall. And we whipped out the fucking marker. We drew the, the chart. And then I put programming on one side and nursing on the other side. And I, I did a 1 to 10 for every section of the wheel of how each one would affect that portion of my life, mm. right? So like for programming, how would it affect my relationships one to 10, like positive or negative? And then for nursing, how would that affect my relationships one to 10? And then we like added all the totals, right? And then I compared them and it became so clear at that moment what I should pursue. Wow. Yeah. And for the the week and a half prior, I was like stressing. The yeah, fuck I was like an out. armadillo in my shell. Yeah. Like, no, you had a rough week. I remember that. Yeah, I was sluggish. I went. I don't take walks. I took a like a four hour walk. Yeah. By myself. I remember. With no music. That's something's up. Something's, something's up. up. Something's if you're taking up. a walk without music. That's interesting. So, what choice did you make, by the way? Programming. Sweet. I yeah. feel like that is definitely more fitted towards you too. Yeah. Um, so I found this article on psychology today and there's just like this, like five little like takeaways on how to make a decision. I'll attach it to the show notes. Um, but number one is don't try to overthink the outcomes of your decision. I do think that that varies if you struggle with OCD. Oh, that's like, yeah, that's like saying don't have OCD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second one is don't make decisions purely on impulse. For anyone who's listening who feels like they maybe have more of an impulsive personality, um, decisions on impulse I do feel like could be as not fun as like decisions on like a compulsive, like what do I do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the one that I actually really like was the do what scares you. And obviously, like, like this is in doses, like don't flood yourself. But I do feel like a lot of the times I am I am in decision paralysis because I'm scared. Oh. And it actually might be something that I really want to do, but I'm just super fucking scared. And I think it's um, helpful to maybe be mindful. Hey, this is scary. Scary mm. is a trigger. And that's going to look like me not making the choice. Let me try to lean into the thing that's scaring me instead of avoid it. I tend to be very avoidant. Hmm. You have an example? Um, definitely, I would say through talking to people about certain boundaries that I have. And if they're, like, not within the boundaries, I get, like, super avoidant. Like, I don't want to, like... Two things happen. I start resenting them because my boundaries are not being respected. Yeah. And then secondly, I'm so afraid to like voice what I want. So everything ah. just becomes fucking jumbled. 
Yeah. But I can now what I do is I like breathe and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a scary conversation, but I'm going to make the choice to still have this conversation. And, you know, if it goes south, I let my, for me, it, it always goes back to, am I going to be okay? Like my brain just doesn't think I'm going to be okay a lot of the time. Mm. So I'll go back to like, you're going to be okay if you have this conversation. And I have been having those conversations more and more. And mm-hmm. I'm noticing that the other person is actually responsive because mm. they love me. And that has been nice exposure therapy for my brain. Hell yeah. You know, leaning into those scary conversations. Um, another one, finding a balance between listening to your mind and trusting your instincts. Like that fight between the gut and the mind. Oh, yeah. Is massive. What's the ratio? Right. <laughs> and I do think for those of us who are like obsessive planners, who are lean, t- you know, maybe on the OCD spectrum, we tend to be up in our minds a mm. lot more. Yeah. Definitely. You agree? Yeah. Because even with the, um, with that decision between programming and nursing, as soon as I thought about nursing, my gut was like, nah. <laughs> your gut, so your gut knew? Your gut knew? Uh, well, I don't know if it knew, right? Because it, it could... Uh, you, well, this is an example of my overthinking now, it right? It sounds it's, like to me that your gut knew, if you want me to be honest. Sure. You know, like, but what we were talking about, how, like, there are things about every decision that you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. That's what I attach my brain to afterwards. You know, because my gut only knows so much about what nursing is. So to say no to it and dismiss it immediately, knowing that I know like 5% of what nursing is, is like a disservice and I could end up loving it. Totally. Right? But, you know, maybe that chart was like the brain part and the numbers me just were feeling the gut, were the no. gut part. The numbers? Yeah. Like when you were rating how you would feel. Yeah. Maybe that was the gut part, which is interesting. Like, that for you worked. For me... Yeah, it worked really well. It worked would well. You, do you think that would help you too? I was going to say, I don't know if it would help me. I don't know. I have to try it because yeah. there's a part of me that thinks it might help because it's so visual. Yeah. Like, I could just have this pie of my life and, you know, all of its sections, mm-hmm. financial, spiritual, uh, social. And then there's this other part of me that's like, I might find that overly plan too much overly planning for myself Mm. and that's when i want to bring it back to you always do what works for you like if Mm. that works for you you fucking do that yeah it always goes back to but is it working if it's working keep it yeah so i don't know i have to try that and i'll let you know well maybe we should put a link like to that picture totally we could definitely um put that in the show notes as well description um, think about a time you said yes to something and it turned out to be a great choice. So that, you know, is also, I feel like exposure therapy where you can go back in your, for example, I have actually a good one. I didn't, me. I didn't know whether I should go to school in Germany. I felt like if I went mm. to school away that far, I felt I had all these weird thoughts that like I would come back and I wouldn't have friends. Mm. I was like, I feel like I'm going to be out of the loop for so long because it's months on end. I'm so far. I'm not going to be talking to people here because the time difference, not talking as much at least. And I was like, um, I, I'm going to come back and not have pa- going away for me. Going away to Germany was like the best. 
decision <laughs> of my fucking life, bro. Yeah. So I go back to things like that. Yeah. Or like maybe one time I put myself out there. It could be romantically. It could also be um, with dance. Sure. And it went well. Yeah. You know, like reliving those positive things. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds like what you were, the do what scares you thing. Like, you were scared you might not have friends when you come back, but you did it anyway. You know? And then it ended up being the highlight of your college career. Yeah. Right? Or it, And it was. Yeah. Like, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Under meeting me. But still, it was really great for you. And I get that. <laughs> Uh, but also with dance, like, I, isn't there like a, a stage fright thing, right? Yeah. And like putting yourself in the Fuck front. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's another fear that you just kind of put aside. Yeah. Right. And it was great also. It took time, you know, it really took time and it took a lot of training, but I did, I got there. I definitely got there. And what helped me was. What actually really helped that was full-blown fucking up and having, nice. every, and having everybody <laughs> see and feeling like a dick. Yeah. And then my brain seeing that I, like, didn't die. Sure. You made it. I made it through that. Yeah. And it helped so much. Yeah. And then I started paying more attention to, like, the elites in the class, like, the people who sure. are, like... From who literally moved from fucking Korea to New York just to pursue this. It's all they're doing. Damn. And they're constantly fucking up in the front. Sure. But they get over it so quickly. Yeah. That it becomes seamless and they don't obsess over it. So by the time the end of class comes, they're a well-oiled shi machine shining trophy. Nice. They're ready to do the combo. Where like I would get obsessive and tripped up so many times. Yeah. And for me fucking up was the exposure therapy that I needed to be like, oh, like, I'm alive. <laughs> Whoops, wrong step. You guys hate me? No? Great. <laughs> Great. Let's boogie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. That's um, funny, because I was watching a video about Andrew Schultz. Do you know him? Comedian? No. New York comedian. Did we watch a special together about with herpes? Herpes? He didn't have the no, special was on Drew, herpes. No, Drew Okay, Michael. my bad. Yeah. That was super good. Yeah. Okay, bringing it back. You would like Andrew Schultz. I'll show you one of his videos afterwards. But I was listening to... He makes these videos where he starts off... It's like a 20-minute video, and, and the first few minutes are him doing stand-up. The middle is him like going on an adventure with his friends, and the last few minutes are back to stand-up. Right? So it's like stand-up story, stand-up. And during the story part, he was back to all the old clubs that he used to start out doing stand-up in in New York City. And they're like nothing clubs. Like they, Some of them don't even exist anymore. They're just like basements uh, under like bars, you know. And he was talking about one where him and his buddies would go and he, he, they had total free range over the basement. Like the, the owner of the whatever was above it was like, if you guys can get two people to come watch your show, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't care. Like, as long as they're buying drinks, you know, uh, that's fine with me. You know, say whatever you want. Uh, free range. And he said it would be, like, such a weird mix of people and, like, immigrants who didn't speak English and, like, you know, old, young, didn't matter. And he would fuck up all the time. 
He said 95%, him and his friends would all fuck up. Nobody would laugh. They would leave, like, in the middle. And there's only two people. So, like, you're doing it for those two people. And then one leaves during the middle of it. Like, that's... Hurts. That's weird, yeah. But the how quickly he got over that was crazy. And now you see him and all he does is crowd play. And I feel like that is the exact opposite of OCD, right? Because he's planning nothing. And he's just, hey, you look weird. Let's talk about it. Like, right in front of the crowd. And that's crazy. So I feel like that's super important to get over early. You know, especially with dance. Yeah. Like because that's the foundation. Fast. Yeah. You know, like, if, you, if you're not afraid of fucking up, then you, that's the most solid foundation you could have, right? Am I accurate yeah totally i think it took me a long time like i it sucks i didn't get over it early but i de- i got there finally and afterwards it's like it everything else flourishes after that yeah. so it's like the quicker you could fail the better but i'm so glad you share that about him doing that in the basement because it's like we never hear about that no. as well i just want to say that like we never hear about the comedian what the fuck they were doing before they were selling out Radio City, before they were selling out shows. Like, what did it look like? So it's so interesting that he had so much exposure therapy in that moment. People walking out, people not coming, people coming in and out, um, you know, being in this fucking basement yeah. where it, like, showed his brain, like, hey, it's okay to mess up. You'll pick it back up. And, and it helped strengthen his performance quality. Yeah. Now he, I don't know him, but it sounds like he crushes it now. He's probably the fastest rising comedian right now. Get out. Yeah. Because he's unique. Like he, he, it's only crowd work. And it has to be flow state, what he's doing. Like he just falls into flow. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. He just picks it up. It's like pure improv. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kills it. So interesting. Yeah. It's very strange. I was like that with skateboarding as a kid, though. Like what? I was a big skater with all my friends, and we, like, skated around the streets together, right? But as soon as we went to a skate park, I shut off because there were people better than me there. And I didn't try shit. I stuck to what I knew, you know? I just did flat ground stuff. But there were, like, the ramps that I wanted to try and, like, the rails that I wanted to try to grind and stuff like that. And I didn't do any of it because the guys who were going before me were crushing it. And I was like, if I go, I'm going to look like a retard. And I just, I just didn't do it. And then I would go home and, and everyone's like, yo, it was so fun. I was like, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> like I did the same tricks I always do. It was really fun. <laughs> and then that was like 10 years ago. And then like two, three weeks ago, I went back to Tanner that was the park that we used to go to. And I was like, fuck it. I'm doing everything I wanted to do before. <laughs> and I went and I fucked up and I fell and I, like all this stuff. And like, I didn't care. I fell like twice. And then after the second fall, I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck. You were fine. Yeah. You were totally fine. Yeah. So, fuck up is the moral. <laughs> I, you know what I actually, I'm like reflecting hard right now. And I feel like the moral is, is that indecision is the symptom of a bigger issue for you it sounds like you're ocd 
For me, I do think, like I said, I have some reflecting to do on if OCD um, takes a toll on my life and if it's, you know, relevant to me. But for me, it is the, um, I think it's a bigger symptom of the trauma that maybe I didn't deal with of like certain decisions I made, you know, moving out into the city in that year. Okay. Maybe I didn't deal with some of that trauma, which put me in a state now where I'm like so afraid to jump. Um, so for the listeners, if you are struggling with indecision, there are totally steps that you can take. For example, the chart that Mike was talking about that works for him. For me, I will talk to my pals. Journaling really helps for me and I don't have to journal it doesn't have to be pretty. It could just be my fucking feelings just so I could see it. Mm. Um, but also, I think it's worth reflecting on where that is stemming from. Is it a fear of failure? Is it a fear of looking stupid? Is mm. it a fear of... Um, is it your relationship with control? Mm. You know, of wanting to obsessively um, plan mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I think that's a really interesting takeaway. Yeah. Ooh, you know what I just thought of? What? I learned this with that last decision about nursing and programming. Mm-hmm. Is if you're going to ask people, relatives, friends, whoever, for some advice, I'm not going to ask them what they would do. I'm going to ask them how they go about it. Mm. That helped me a lot. The how. Yeah, because that's like, teaching a man a fish kind of thing right like it's grounding yeah yeah because like if you ask someone what they would do like in your shoes that's like you're just asking him for the fish but if you ask him how he would go or she would go about deciding then you might pick up another tactic you can use for yourself that works for you yeah yeah totally because everyone decides something yeah. Right? And how they go about it is probably different than the way you go about it. And also, no choice is a choice as well. Like, if you... Neither. Yeah. If you do <laughs> neither, you get neither. Yeah. You know? So, that's also something that I think is, like, hopefully should be, like, a motivator to kind of want to choose. I will say, I do fall into my gut pretty hard. You do? Like, ultra hard. Yeah. Like, I don't need... You know, if I'm in a state of panic and, like, obviously, like, the threat response area of my brain is lit up, it's different. But when I'm not, I fall into my gut. Like, I don't even have to know more about that person. I don't even have to know more about that career. I just, I feel like it's not, to be spiritual for a second, I feel like it's me being in tune with, like, my spirit guides and, like, the divine and, like, my higher self where I can listen and I can hear. And it is scary to take that, but I will tell you, like, that roommate that I had in Queens who kicked me out, my gut felt it, (laughs) like, lit up like a goddamn Christmas tree, (laughs) but my brain was like, you don't know her, you want to, um, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know, meanwhile, my gut was screaming, Yeah. and had I honored it, I would have spared myself that trauma, where it doesn't come to, like, should we spare from... No, like, that's life and it fucking happens all the time. But my gut... What I mean to say is my gut did know in that. Yeah. And I did not listen. And yeah. it fucked me. Uh, you know? Uh-huh. 
So I do fall into my gut pretty hard. I do a few things. I fall into my gut. I journal a ton. And I do talk to like my top closest pals. I don't go around asking. I used to do that. I used to go around asking everyone. And it would just set me up for failure because it would flood my brain with all this all this like different perspectives and different this and that so i'll talk to like three of my closest pals yeah and i will cap it there i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm keeping myself on a fucking leash with this i'm capping that yeah and then i come to a decision still probably shitting my pants but telling myself like i i got me like i got me if it Mm -hmm. goes bad i got me I'll find the silver lining, I'll learn, and I'll move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is important to, to think hard about who you ask or who you talk to. Definitely. Yeah. Are their values like similar to yours as a factor? Do they know you well as a factor? Yeah. Are they someone you think would handle that situation properly? <laughs> right? Which goes back to your values. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have for someone who's struggling with indecision? Or any words of wisdom? We're here with you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one. I wonder what the stats are. <laughs> we should do a qualitative study. We should. My words of advice are very similar to that. It's your normal. It's okay. You're not alone. Your intentions aren't bad. And my biggest thing is to reflect on where it's coming from. Indecision is a symptom of a bigger issue. So Mm. definitely reflect on that. Um, Yeah, what are you afraid of? Yeah, like your fears. And to just be mindful of what they are and that they're okay. They don't have to be like a romantic fear of like getting my heart broken. It could be something very trivial, like anything. I can't think of one right now. Um, So to close, what are your thoughts on the human experience? What do you think about this wild, this wild journey? The podcast? No. Well, I was thinking like just being a human on this earth. Oh, being a person? I think it's hairy and it's fucked up and it's weird, but it's also fun and it's cool. And the the people that you surround yourself by make it worth all the hair. Definitely. That's my quote. The relationships. Your relationships are worth the hair. Yeah. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Ew. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, Where can we find you? Uh, Honestly, I'm not really on anything. Fuck yeah. You can't find me, bitch. I love that. Maybe we could... <laughs> You're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. That's true. Mike underscore D-E-P-I-E-T-T-O. Sweet. I don't really post much anymore. But I stalk people. Great. I love stalking people. That's yeah. what it's there for. Don't fucking lie. Yeah. We know we why stalk. you're on social media. Yeah. You're fucking stalking. Um, anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for talking about this incredibly, like, sticky topic with me. You're the bomb.
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our website, humanexperiencepodcast.com. Heads up, the A in human is an X. If you would like to connect with me directly, you can email me, humanexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Again, the A in human is an X. Feel free to share any thoughts, comments, or if you would like to be on the show, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, folks.